Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 17. Yesterday we took the first step into transitioning between free writing and a technique, a practice, an ancient practice in fact, with centuries of cultural traditions and beliefs surrounding it that might, on the surface, seem the same but is for me at least distinct and capable of producing quite different results from free writing. Gosh, how many qualifying clauses did I manage to slip into in that last sentence? This is what happens when I'm set free from a copy editor and I don't have the wonderful strong shepherd of an agent standing over me gently suggesting, Tim, do you think this might read better if you didn't write it like a lawyer drafting an immensely complicated bargain with a fiendish representative of the infernal bureaucracy? But that's okay because this is my voice and we're chatting and I I really love the freedom of giving myself permission to make air quotes, mistakes, close air quotes, blah, blah, blah. It's me. It's Tim. I can talk how I like and you've got to lump it. So free writing first rose to prominence in creative writing pedagogy in in 1934. This was really the, the golden age of creative writing teaching or if not a golden age, at least a boom time. You know, it it took off in ways it hasn't before or since. The balance of supply and demand has never been so skewed in favour of writers. You had record international literacy rates. You had improved automisation and transport networks, which made paper costs low, so that despite the market crash of 1929, relative to people's incomes, magazines, comics, newspapers and books were increasingly affordable. You were just about to get the birth of Penguin paperbacks in the UK. You had record audiences for radio and radio dramas. You had an explosion of audiences for the cinema. There was this huge hunger for stories in all forms, for pulp novels, for scripts. And so we see a concomitant rise in demand for how to write guides educational pamphlets, correspondence courses, formulas. So Dorothea Brand's book Becoming a Writer came out in 1934 and it's undoubtedly the most successful writing book of a decade filled with creative writing advice. It's still in print. I read it a couple of years ago and and, and to be honest I agree with her on a lot of stuff. I was like wow this this is actually better than I expected it to be. Um, she was hugely influential. And I think a lot of her attitudes and assumptions, as evidenced in that book, have, by proxy, flowed through to me. She's forthright and unashamedly opinionated, enjoyably prolix. And she takes as axiomatic some of the quasi-Freudian psychology of the era. Here's a bit I particularly liked. She says, quote... Most of the methods of training the conscious side of the writer, the craftsman and the critic in him, are actually hostile to the good of the unconscious, the artist's side. And the converse of this proposition is likewise true. But it is possible to train both sides of the character to work in harmony. And the first step in that education is to consider that you must teach yourself not as though you were one person, but two. End quote. That's quite similar to stuff I find myself saying nearly 90 years later this idea that there's a creative production mode the divergent thinking mode and then a distinct refining analytical mode the convergent thinking mode Dorothea Brand was the first person to advocate an idea you may have heard of this 
concept of morning pages, that you must rise half an hour to an hour earlier than you customarily do, then write with no special agenda, and through this you'll sort of circumvent your inner critic and begin to produce great reams of creative work. This idea of getting up early and producing morning pages has become ingrained in creative writing culture. It was revived to form the centre of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron in the 70s. And from that book, it's going to spread out. So you'll find people advocating it everywhere. Now, my main problem with the morning pages technique is that I've never, ever, ever in my entire life been able to do it. It sounds good in theory, right? In practice, my compliance rate has hovered somewhere close to zero. My daughter rises at 6am at the latest. If, If I got up an hour earlier than I customarily do, I'd meet myself going to bed. So to do that seven days a week for the rest of my life, you must be kidding. But it made sense, right? So you you hear it and you go, maybe it does work because I've never actually tried it because who can try it? So it remains something that the creative writing world, we all believe in it. We all share it as an idea. You should get up early and do morning pages because no fucker does it. So we can still believe that it might work because nobody's tested it. And it makes sense. You know, it, it seems plausible. And and I had a not small amount of admiration for Dorothea Brand and her sort of strict but um, psychologically robust ways. And she makes a good argument for its effectiveness. And I felt really guilty and useless for not doing it, for letting Dorothea Brand down. But wait, what else was the 1930s a golden era for? Oh, right, that's right. Fascism. And it turns out during the 30s, Dorothea Brand married Seward Collins, editor of the American Review, the biggest far-right magazine in the country. He was proudly anti-Semitic, he praised Hitler and Mussolini, and she wrote for the magazine too and wrote some deeply anti-Semitic screeds herself. So, frankly, fuck her. You know, if you find it difficult to get up every morning to do an hour of free writing in your journal where you let your mind run free, remember that Morning pages are a regime invented by an actual Nazi. In fact, two years later, um, Dorothea Brand wrote a book called Wake Up and Live, which is, is one of the key books of the New Thought positive thinking movement, where she basically says, look, we are all responsible for ourselves and no one else. Life is divided into winners and losers. And if you don't make a decision just to think your way out of depression, out of anxiety, just think your way to success, you are one of life's losers and you will be deservedly crushed. You are a loser and evolution and natural selection will weed you out. This is the person from whom the whole self-actualizing writing and therapy movement emanated. And look, I get the allure of ideologies promising self-empowerment, but I think we can do better than toxic fascist bullshit. I'm telling you all of this so as we continue to work on this course, you can be mindful of your own inner fascist. That part of you that at some level conflates your self-worth, with how well you do any one of these exercises and how much writing you produce in a day. Probably in the mistaken belief that doing so will A, pressure you into writing more and B, lead you to ultimately feeling happier about yourself because you produce more writing. Just quietly take that tiny inner Nazi and and place a heavy glass over them as if they were 
an angry wasp at a picnic. Self-acceptance and easier writing work the other way round, right? First, you have to recognise the truth that you are perfect and valuable already. You might not believe that. You don't actually have to 100% agree with me that you're perfect, but it, it's just a fact. It's true. Then, once you've acknowledged that, or some part of it, that you are at least valuable, can you at least meet me there, that you are inherently worthwhile as a human being, in the same way that a baby is inherently worthwhile, doesn't have an agent, hasn't sent out five query letters this week. It's inherently valuable while doing nothing because it is a human being and we all have this inalienable value, inalienable value about us, right? So you accept that. And once you've acknowledged that, you free up energy to write more, if you so choose, without pegging all these extra conditions to it. You write because you like to, because it challenges and satisfies you. You want to write because you want to find out what happens next. And you allow those reasons to be sufficient. So today I'm going to give you another prompt to kick off your free write. It's a bit like how the uh, the Finns at New Year melt little horseshoe-shaped bits of tin, then toss them into cold water, and whatever shape the tin forms as it rehardens, prophesies something about their year to come. Oh, look, it's formed the shape of a tiny spool of intestines. Perhaps I'm due 12 months of exceptional bowel health. I give you a little something today, a little molten droplet, and I'm asking you to drop it onto the page, into the cold pool of your page and see what shapes form. It, it, this is called um, molybdomancy, in case you're interested in words that are awkward both to pronounce and to work naturally into a conversation with your friends. So here we go. Remember, today we're looking to train your subconscious artist. We're looking, we're working with good Dorothea here, not your inner jackbooted fascist or evil Dorothea. For the purposes of this exercise, the more you can let go, give yourself over to intuition, feel and play, the more you'll be contributing to the eternal fight against totalitarian oppression. Right, okay? So, are you ready? Here's the phrase you're going to start this 10-minute session with today. The box opened easily. Inside was A. That's it. I'll repeat it again. You might want to get your notebook out or open up your laptop so you can note this down it's seven words put these on top of your page and then continue quote the box opened easily inside was a end quote the box opened easily inside was a okay 10 minutes don't think right three two one go
And that, of course, is it. I hope that was okay for you. And I hope my constant exhortations to give yourself over to intuition and just right don't become their own form of pressure. I know they can. Am I doing intuition right? Am I giving into it enough? Am I writing truly free? Or, you know, what's this voice in my head? Oh, gosh. I, I know it can... If I'm not careful, and if you're not careful, it sounds like I'm expecting something magical to happen. You know, some great transmutary force to take over and and, and and start steering the pen on your behalf. Like, it is, rather than being a single leap, it's a gradual incremental process. Or sometimes, for some people, you have days where it really does feel like you're walking on air and other days where it feels like you are faking it. In some ways, actually, it's best if, sometimes does feel unfamiliar and uncomfortable and new because that means it's an area worth your working on where there's room for progress. If you turn up and you simply expose yourself to this new way of working, whether it feels like it is actually working for you or whether you feel like just this awful sticky fraud just sort of faking it and writing down any old shit for the sake of appeasing Tim right whatever's going on for you you are participating in a kind of strength training that will pay dividends down the line you're being present for your writing experience and you are training yourself across different types of writing weather right and that whether you realize it or not yet is in itself hugely valuable oh I don't know where I'm going oh I feel a bit weird and yet you continue writing Oh, I'm having a lovely time. And yet you continue writing. If you can just do that and kind of keep moving towards that North Star of getting the words on the page, my friend, you have done brilliantly. Right. I've waffled far too much today. Thank you for your efforts. However that was for you, you've done so great. You you turned up. You didn't have to. You're not getting money. No one's making you a sandwich as a reward. I mean, at least I assume not. Maybe they are. That's very kind of them. Maybe you're making yourself a sandwich, in which case that's good for you. But look, thank you. Um, we're going to continue with the story of Dorothea Brandon free writing and its cousins tomorrow because it sneakily inches us towards our next stage of writing. Ooh, cliffhanger. See you tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.